it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. So glad to be back with you. It is fantastic to be back with you. Uh, we have so much to talk about on the show. Uh, you know, the border's doing super great. You know, we got that under control. Um, Biden administration just keeps blaming Congress. And Congress is like, well, we, we got laws. You're just not enforcing them. And in the meantime, they're just trying to break into people's homes along the border. Not all of them, but, you know. Um, so, so it's great all the way around. And uh, to join us, to, let's, let's start out talking about the border. Someone who knows the border, someone knows what should be happening at the border and knows how to fix it. But unfortunately, the Biden administration's not asking him. Tom Homan, Fox News contributor, retired acting ICE director, Heritage Foundation visiting fellow. Tom Homan, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good morning. Good morning. So... Well, you know, it seems to be a big problem. The administration's, as you heard me say, blames Congress. Congress needs to fix the problem. You know, we're doing everything we can. Congress needs to come up with policy. Um, isn't there policy in place? Yeah, they, they, their plan coming together pretty damn good. I mean, Joe Biden ran an open borders, and that's what we have. I mean, he, he said what he was going to do during the campaign, and he's followed through on that. I mean, his first three weeks in office, he signed. 91 executive orders, pretty much abolishing everything we created in the Trump administration. So this isn't, I've said it many times, this is not incompetence. This isn't mismanagement. Their plan is coming together brilliantly, and this is what they want. So you know, Congress needs to do some work, but they don't need Congress. All they got to do is brush off the Trump, Trump playbook, and they can secure the border in a week. So, the, so the, it's a convenient excuse to say, well, we can't do anything. Uh, Congress has to do something. But aren't there laws that are currently on the books that Congress has, has passed, like actual laws, that they're just not enforcing at the border? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, see, so know, if they enforce uh, those, what are they? And if they enforce them, would it change the game? Yeah, it would. It, uh, look, I, I, test, I testified in a lawsuit against the Biden administration for the state of Texas. We clearly show there's a law they're ignoring, and which says that if you if you have a conviction, this I'm talking about interior enforcement now. If you're if you're an alien in the United States, you get convicted of a drug offense, a, a crime involving moral turpitude, or if you get a fine order, which means you enter the United States, you lost your case, you were ordered sent home. ICE must detain and remove them, and they're simply not doing it. ICE had the lowest number of removals in the history of the agency under under this administration. The law also says it's illegal to enter the United States. It's a crime in violation of Title VIII, United States Code 1325. They should be arrested and detained. But they're not doing it. As you can see, they're, they're releasing everybody. And if you look at the parole statute, when you parole somebody in the United States, which this administration is paroling thousands, parole statute says it's a case-by-case determination based on that case specific. They're not doing that. They're just taking thousands of people and saying, we're paroling you all. They can't do that. And that's why one, one, one of the groups I'm working with, we filed a lawsuit on that. So, yes, there are numerous laws they could enforce. 
themselves out the border situation. Not only are they not enforcing them, we showed in the Texas lawsuit they're actually violating it. You know, they seem to violate a lot of rules. Barack Obama did the same thing and would just not not play by the rules and just ignore court orders, et cetera, and, and he got away with it at least long enough because they know that if they ignore long enough until someone finally comes after them and forces them to stop, it's that many more people that have gotten in that they know will never be deported. I saw this morning on Fox that uh, Title 42, everybody keeps talking about Title 42, that um, this administration is only uh, refusing entry or expelling uh, people under Title 42, only about 29% when they could be uh, preventing about 80% from coming in using Title 42. Is that yet another law that they're just not enforcing? Yeah, Title 42 uh, is the CDC uh, uh, statute, and, and under Trump administration, we deported I think eighty six percent because there's some if, you, there's a, if there's a significant humanitarian visa like when across the border they're they're very sick and ill, they need medical attention. We, we can't return them. Situation like that, you know, we have to custom and care for them because you know we we have to and we should. But we returned eighty six percent under this administration. They've actually released more into the country than they returned on the Title 42. Right right when they started, this administration started, they said, Title 42, okay, we'll keep it going because of COVID, because there's COVID when he became president. But here's what they did. They carved out entire populations. They carved out all these families that's coming across, can't be returned on Title 42. Uh, unaccompanied children can't be returned. People from various countries can't be returned. I guess the government feels like they can't have COVID, they're not a COVID danger, but they carved out a big group, which resulted in them releasing more people and actually removed. Yeah, and, and the whole the whole Title Forty Two thing is such a disaster because either we have a we either have a pandemic or we don't. You know, you have you've in hospitals and a lot in many states, you still have physicians, and you if you go into the hospital, if you go into a medical facility, you have to wear a mask, which at this point to me is just cosplay. We're we're just pretending that this works. You have. Um, you have the administration who wants to keep forcing our servicemen and women to receive COVID boosters, but if there's no pandemic, well, then why do they have to do that, right? Like, it's so so there's just such mixed messages. In some instances, there is a pandemic. We have schools that you know are trying to mask our kids again. Oh, so there's a pandemic. Except in at the border, where now there's not a pandemic. It, it just doesn't make any sense, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of clear consistency or policy with any of this. And I blame the administration. Well, look, people need to understand Title 42 is important. I'm glad the Supreme Court kept it because it does, you know, it, it's going to prevent some people from coming. But it, it's not that big. It's not that big of a difference. What they want to do, and I, if this administration really wants to secure the border, if they really want to give Border Patrol some relief, they will simply reimplement the Remain in Mexico. The federal courts have ruled that that's a legal program. People still can claim asylum, but they shouldn't wait in Mexico until they're hearing. That was a game changer of the Trump administration, but this administration won't even consider it, So, which is another example if they don't want to secure the border. I mean, you look at – and Congress upset me. They signed off in this omnibus bill. Eighteen Republican senators signed it, which is disgusting considering the fact some of them have been to the southern border doing their dog and pony shows, what a travesty it is. Then they sign a bill that gives zero, zero dollars for border enforcement. But it gives millions of dollars to NGOs that will process and release people into the country. So that itself is disturbing that 
you know, we had 18 Republican senators vote for that bill. They gave, they gave the border nothing. Yeah. So so let's let's go down that rabbit hole, because I find this fascinating. Uh, I, I look at some of the ones who voted for the omnibus and you have like the Adam Kinzinger's and the Lynn Cheney's. You have a lot who are retiring, who signed on to this, who endure, you know voted for this, a lot who are retiring. It seemed to be like a big F you to the, the half of the country that supported Trump. It seems to me, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, that there's um, these people are just have such they just hate Trump so much that they're willing to just throw the country under the bus because they just hate him so much. Am I reading this wrong? No, I think that's part of it. I think it's part of it. But I also think part of it was some of these retiring congressmen. They got their earmarks, right? The, the Democrats threw an earmark in there that helps them, helps their district, so they can retire. Say, so I got a win. Look what I brought home to the district. I got a, I got a new plant being built or, or something. I think you know if you look at all the earmarks, that was more important to them than securing the, the border. Uh, securing the border. So I, I agree with you. There's a lot of them out there that are never Trumpers and want to stick it to them one last time. But I also think there's some that got their earmarks, they got their payday, and, and they vote anyway. So I mean, I'm talking not only ones retiring, but some of the only ones that are still there. I think everyone that voted yes got some sort of earmark for their district. Oh, yeah. They, the, it was chock full, and it wasn't just the Democrats. Republicans did it, too. They're just as complicit, which is just disgusting. You had mentioned, you said, you know, they arrive at the border and they need medical treatment. We have to take them in. We have to treat them. Uh, Yuma Medical Center uh, in um obviously Yuma, Arizona, they have now been stuck with over $20 million in unpaid expenses in six months for illegals that they are treating. Uh, and they said it's not little stuff either. Some of them need dialysis. Some of them need heart surgery. Some need cardiac catheterization. Women who are coming into labor and delivery, some infants that are in the neonatal ICU for months at a time. All of these are incredibly expensive medical procedures. So I think a lot of this is just medical immigration. They just come here, cross the border, know they're going to be treated for free, and they said we can't come after them for, for any kind of payment because we don't even know if the name they give us is the right name, let alone where they're going. They're done. They leave. They walk out the door. We never see them again, and they lose the money. How long can this go on for? These hospitals are going to go under, and then the American citizens don't have a hospital to go to. Yeah, you're exactly right. This has been going on since I started in board from 1884. I can't tell you how many people I arrested crossing the border that were in dire straits, and by regulation, we, we just can't return to Mexico medically unsound. And, you know, a lot, look, I got a phone call from a, a nurse friend of mine in Phoenix that says her maternity ward in her hospital was so full at 80% undocumented that uh, they're turning away U.S. citizens going to have to go to other hospitals. It's, it's worse now just because of, of illegal immigration is worse now. It's a, it's a percentage, right? So this has been on over 30 years. And here's, 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 what, here's what's happening over there in Yuma. If you're in Border Patrol custody and they take you and, and you're sick, or you need medical attention, they have to provide it. Right. Then then Borbacho gets stuck with the bill. But if they're released, which most are being released, as we can all see, then who gets stuck with the bill? The hospitals. And the hospitals at some point, I talked to hospitals before on this, they said, well, we absorbed the cost. You know, we'll absorb the cost because there was just a small percentage of it. But now it's such a huge percentage of the emergency room calls, they can't absorb it. They can't keep, you know, they pass on to people like you and me who may have medical insurance. There's a certain point where they can't, they can't fill that hole. So you're going to see trauma centers shutting down. You, you know, elementary schools right now, classrooms in some of these major cities 
are so overcrowded and these children don't speak English and it's holding the class back. I mean, some of the social services system in these cities, you know, food banks and, and stuff like that are overrun. And and people need to understand this. When, when we had all these family groups coming across when I was a director, we went after and went to locate those that lost their cases. And we went after them, we, the ones we found, over 40% of them were already pregnant or had a U.S. citizen child at taxpayer expense. Now, when you, when you have a U.S. citizen child, that automatically qualifies. You can go put in some food stamps or welfare or other benefits. So if this is going to drive our, 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 our care system in the United States down the hole. I mean, we just can't survive this, this, this amount. Okay, so we've got two minutes, and you have said that the Democrats want this. They're doing this on purpose, and I think there are a lot of Republicans who want this as well, because cheap labor drives down wages, you know, for big business. So you know, everybody's wages get driven down. The Americans as well, because they'll hire an illegal to do jobs. Is the ulti- what is the ultimate goal here? Because you, as you said, none of this can be sustained. We just don't have the money. We don't have the ability. Our systems are going to collapse. If I put my tinfoil hat on and I go, well, the Cloward Piven strategy is collapse the social network and then the government steps in and socializes medicine and takes over it takes over everything. And that's the ultimate end goal. Is that what we're watching happen right now or is this about votes? I think it's both. I think votes is, is, is a, uh, what they're thinking about right now in long term is, you know, the, the, the entire system collapsing. But I think right now their, their thought is and people say, well, they can't vote. Well, they don't have to vote. They can be because they, the, the, Biden overturned the Trump census rule. They'll be counted the next census, which is going to result in what? More seats in the House for the Dems because most of these, uh, most of the Dems are going to go to you know, Democrat-controlled sanctuary right. cities and stuff like that. So they don't have to vote. They just be counted. It's going to result in more seats in the House for the Dems. But that's why they're pushing for amnesty. If they give amnesty to 20 million people, they, they strongly believe most of them vote Democrats. So I think right now their, their main focus is is you know perpetual power. They see they perceive a future political benefit by doing this. And I tell you, I was in Texas last year, and I had I had probably thirty Republican congressmen down there doing a border tour. And I told them, I said, if you guys don't pull your head out of your butts, you're not going to win another election in fifteen years. The Democrats are playing the long game, and you guys are playing no game. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, and, and we, we've got to run here, but I, it, I could I could talk with you far, far longer than this because this is just what is happening is insane and you're just so knowledgeable and, and it, it's just so fixable. But I, I, Republicans are always reactive, always, always, always. And that's it, why I'm not a Republican. It's why I'm not a registered Republican because I refuse to belong to a party that is just so feckless and inept. And they are. And this country's going down the toilet because of it. Tom Holman, thank you so much for joining me. Have a great New Year. You too. Have a great year. New year. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Thank you so much. 866-408-7669. Your calls. People are already waiting on the line here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mexico has a law that says that migrants or anybody that comes in into the into Mexico has to come through a port of entry or airport and leave the same way. So what they're doing right now is against Mexican law. So we have to get the Mexicans and other countries to do more. Uh, otherwise, we, we're just going to be playing defense on the one-yard line called the U.S. Uh, border uh, instead of playing defense on their 20-yard line. That was a Democrat Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas on MSNBC yesterday saying, look, we're not making them. Donald Trump, love him or hate him, made other countries and play by the rules. They're not playing by the rules. They want to get rid of their poor people. They want to get rid of their drug smugglers. They want to get rid of their criminals. You know, they're emptying out the prisons, push them through. They don't want that problem. And America's like, woohoo, come on here. We'll take everybody and we'll give you citizenship as long as you vote for us. 866-408-7669. Let us go to the, I love Montana. Nancy, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Nancy. Hi, good morning. And uh, I want to continue the the, uh, conversation you've been having this morning on illegal immigration into the United States. And uh, I am just so stressed out over this. I have been talking about it for years because I have a small column that I write for here in our local newspaper, my small town in Montana. And I have, you know, Montana has been infiltrated with the Mexican cartel. We have eight Indian reservations here, and they and the cartel have been using uh, the reservations to put uh, fentanyl uh, in our country, and um, there's missing uh, Indian uh, women and, and, and girls. Uh, they're they're taking them. And uh, but what I want to say is that this more or less started back in 1965 because you know our. Our borders were actually closed from the 1920s until 1965 when uh, Senator Ted Kennedy, uh, he made the immigration law of 1965, which opened up our borders. And ever since then, we we have been having problems. And, of course, when uh, President... um, um, Ronald Reagan, he gave amnesty to 3 million uh, Mexican illegals. They just started to pour across into our country. But what I want to stress here is that you're right. We cannot sustain this, and they're using amnesty. And there is no war in Central America. There is no war in South America. There is no war in Mexico. There's no wars in Haiti and Cuba where where the majority of these illegals are coming from. And uh, we can't give them that legally. And if you go back to the United Nations, there's an international law that says the first country that illegals come to has to give them amnesty, and that would be Mexico in this case. Exactly. Nancy, we got to run very, very quickly. Where are you in Montana? I love Montana. I was up at Flathead Lake this summer. Where are you? Well, I'm in central Montana. I'm... uh, Okay. um, Just tell me the name. Okay, uh, we've got to run. Sorry, Nancy. We were up against the clock. More coming up. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Well, I think it's the same strategy we saw right before the midterm where they offered these amnesties for drug convictions or amnesties for student loans. And I think they understand they have a message that doesn't appeal to 51% of the electorates, so they have to offer these subsidies. And the irony is we're $31 trillion in debt. This is the time we should be incentivizing work, not compounding and fueling this idleness. And, you know, we're down to 62% of labor participation. It's It's almost a historic low. And the whole system of taxes and subsidies is built on an implicit bargain that all of the people who go out and work and pay taxes, then they do that with the understanding that if there's a need to help the disabled or those who've lost their job, they're willing to do that. But if they get the message that there's a large percentage of the population that simply will not work and wants money, then it's gonna be very hard to convince them to pay their taxes. That's Victor Davis Hansen, uh, Hoover Institution Senior Fellow. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. And what he's talking about there is that in a lot of states, people are making more sitting home on their butts above what, what, the, what the medium income is in their state than they would if they were working. Because benefits have gotten so out of hand because once you give someone, and and politicians know this, once you give someone something, a program, some kind of freebie, you never, you can't take it back. You just can't take it back. Because the other side will just scream, oh, you're, I can't believe you're taking, you know, food out of the mouths of babies. They want to push grandma over a cliff. You know how that goes. So these people probably will never work again and then they'll just go on social security and they won't have enough. So they're going to have to have, you know, all other bunch of other freebies too, because they're not saving any money. Uh, and, and it's unsustainable. So I want, I'm going to go into that more, but I want to throw this in here and I want to know if, and I'll tell you why coming up. So hang on. If, if you have children, if you have adult children, are you subsidizing them in some way? They're out, they're, you know, out of the nest. Are you subsidizing them in some way? Maybe they're living in your basement and you're paying for their food and their electric and their heat and all that other stuff. Or maybe they're out of the nest and you're paying for their cell phone and you're paying for their car insurance or you're paying for other things because more and more parents are doing that. And did your parents do that for you? Or maybe they're doing it for you now. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just curious because I know what my parents would have told me. I know what my parents did tell me. 866-408-7669. So you've got a combination here. And one of them is, you know, as, as Victor Davis Hanson was saying, 14 states, in 14 states, unemployment benefits and Affordable Care Act subsidies for a family of four with two people not working amounts to an annualized equivalent of $80,000 a year in wages and benefits. Washington State, Massachusetts, and New Jersey, the benefits add up to more than $100,000 a year. In Washington... The uh, median household income is 82000 So you're making more than the median household income than the people who are paying for you. In New Jersey and Massachusetts, it's 89000 In Arkansas, they, the combined benefits, you still get 80000 but the median household income there is fifty-two. So families have a choice of going back to their full-time jobs after the pandemic, or they can bring in ten dollars to $20,000 more per year by sitting on their butts and letting you pay for them. So... And I think we're just perpetuating this within an entire generation. Credit Karma, which is a personal finance website, 
did a study and they found that nearly th a third of parents, 31% of parents that they surveyed admit to still providing their adult children with financial support beyond the basics. The 31% who sub sub provide support for their adult children out of those 51% said they allowed their children to live at home. 48% also paid some or all of their children's monthly bills, such as cell phone, utilities, and car payments. 24 who support their adult children, 24%, will regularly give them an allowance or checks, which is insane. Of the parents who supported their children, 81% said that they feel the effect on their own lifestyle. With 50% saying they affect, it affects their lifestyle, 49 of that 81% said that they have, had, they have had to cut back on living expenses for themselves. 40% said they limited their retirement savings. 30% say they have to work longer and prolong their retirement. And 25% said they're taking on more debt. To pay your child's cell phone bill who is a grown adult, you're the problem. You are the problem. This is why we have an entire generation that feels entitled and feels like they don't have to work. And so I'm not going to take that job because really, that's a, I, I have to work more than eight hours some days and I don't get an hour for lunch. You're the problem. And maybe I am old as dirt, but my parents, no way would they do that. We were each given the summer off after graduation uh, from college. And then come September, you had to have a job because come if, and they gave us September to find a job. If you didn't have one come October 1st, they charged us rent. They didn't give us anything. They charged us rent because my father said, do you enjoy the heat on in your room? Do you enjoy food on the table? Good. You're paying rent. And he said, he's, and I, and I, we had, I had a student loan. So come, I had one year grace, but then I had to start paying that student loan. They weren't paying anything for me. My first job, I got shipped off to California and then I got shipped off to Texas on my own, living on my own. I bought a car on my own. I had to pay the payments on my own and pay my, my rent on my own. It, they didn't pay anything, nothing. And if I could, if I was struggling, you know, for stuff, my father was like, well, you know, see that manicure, stop getting the manicure. That was it. He's like, I'll show you how to save money, but I'm not giving you any more. Now, if I had something that like really needed that I really needed, uh, for, you know, for, for a basic necessity, I'm sure they would have helped me out, but there's no way my parents would have paid my phone bill. It would have been like, if you can't pay your phone bill, get a second job. 866-408-7669. You combine these two things. We have a lot of people in this country who just aren't working and those who are working are paying for them for some insane reason. Let's go to William in Indiana listening on WTRC. William, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Good. Hi, Mary. Good morning. I've talked to you a couple of different times. Um, always enjoy it. Thanks for taking the call. Um, a couple of things here that, you know, I, as I was telling Pete, this is absolutely ridiculous. Walking all these small businesses, small restaurants, small privately owned businesses, and they still have no help. And I'm like, you know, COVID's been over for a long time. And when I say COVID's been over as far as the pandemic and being shut down. And I'm like, well, where's everybody at? And they're still like, well, we can't get employees. I'm like, well, where did they all go? 
Nobody can get employees. They're not all working somewhere else. What's going on? Yeah, and they're sitting there collecting unemployment that people like myself and yourself and how many other millions of people that are working are paying for them to sit home on their butt. And, and it is such BS. I am so fed up with this that there has to be something. I, you had said that once the government offers the program that they can't take it back. Somebody needs to be taken back. Somebody needs to make these people held accountable. I remember probably 40-some years ago I had to file for unemployment. And every week I had to go to that unemployment office yep. and give real legitimate companies that I applied to and was not able to get or was not hired. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Now, to your point, I have two sons, one still a senior in college right now, and he's frantic because he's trying to get a job set up and he can't. The other one graduated two years ago, and he was freaking out because it took him two months to get a job. And he's got a job that's stellar. I mean, just great. But they knew that, you know what, they have responsibilities. The deal was that my wife and I would pay half for them for their college, and they pay the other half. They know they're on the hook for that. And, the, again, these were things that were instilled in me when I was young, and I guess that it just isn't that way. Again, what you were talking about, the, the parents are the blame because the children aren't going out or the kids or the young adults, whatever you want to call them, aren't going out and applying themselves or think that they shouldn't have to do anything. Everything should be handed to them. It's, it is literally a road to ruin for this country. Yeah, it really is. Uh, William, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. And have a wonderful New Year. I wish you the best. Thank you. You as well. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. 866-408-7669. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter, Mary Walter Radio. Super simple. There's no S, Mary Walter Radio. And uh, Joe47 here says... I do help one of my kids, but it's just helping with the cost of daycare because he and his spouse both work and need a reliable and safe daycare. I contribute to about 20% of it. I'd rather do that as long as they are working. That's fine. That's fine. I draw the line. If my parents had to delay retirement or keep, you know, working or go back to work or we're taking, we're, we're, we're living less of a lifestyle because of me because, uh, you know, I can't pay for this or I can't pay for that. I would feel guilty. I, I, there's, I would feel terrible. Uh, and and I, just, I just don't know if everybody, you know, kids all feel that way. Because, you know, 65% of the parents who are doing this say the need to help has caused the mental stress. 69% have financial stress. They're taking out of their pockets and working longer to, to help their kids. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. A quick note: I do have a podcast. If you'd like to join me uh, tonight, seven fifteen p.m. It is live on YouTube and Getter. We do politics on Thursday nights. There's another podcast on Tuesday nights, seven fifteen, live on YouTube and Getter. That we talk non politics. Uh, the you can download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify about 24 hours after the podcast. It'll be up. It'll be up there as well. So just look for Mary Walter Radio on YouTube or get her and um, follow me on. Uh, if you want to download the audio, it's just Mary Walter. Just throw in Mary Walter into YouTube or or excuse me, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And, and there it is. Love to have you join me. All right. I will get to you more of your calls coming up. 866-408-7669 on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mm-hmm. 
a talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, and we're talking about the economy and how a lot of people are being paid to sit at home, and they're making more than the idiots working are making on, on median income. They're, they're making more, a lot more, ten to twenty twenty thousand dollars more in some states by sitting home and doing nothing. From you know, it's a combination of high unemployment reimbursements plus other benefits that they get. So why work? Combine that with a growing number of parents who are helping their adult children with things like um, cell phone bills, car payments. Uh, all sorts of things to the to the fat to the point where those parents now are suffering or having to go back to work or working themselves and that just never would have happened it's such a foreign concept to me like again if i needed to eat my parents would have helped us out but my parents big motto was like well if you're living beyond your means you need to cut back or get another job that was it Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm just gonna tell you one quick thing here, and then I'm gonna get to your calls. I promise. I will never forget. We were all home. My baby brother was in his, I think, his senior year in college, or just out of college. So we're all out of college. I had just quit my job and, and moved back with my parents, and I was getting a job locally. And I had didn't have a job yet. My father were at breakfast on a Sunday morning. Remember it vividly. And it's quiet, and everybody's eating. My father looks up and says, "So, your mother and I want to know why you're all still here." And we're like, what? And he's like, you're all out of college. We've done our job. You all have degrees. You now all need to leave. And he was dead serious. He was like, you need to get jobs. You need to get out of the house. And so my two, my brothers got an apartment together. I wound up actually, I, I went and got a, getting a job and I stayed home and I lived at home because I was looking for a place to live. And um, I paid my parents rent. And then I got engaged and it says, oh, I'm just going to stay home, live at home and the, until I get married, save some money. And they were okay with that. I still paid them rent though. But yeah, my parents are like, why are you here? It's time for you to leave. It's old school parenting. 866-408-7669. In Oklahoma City, Lee, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, Mary. Thanks for having me. I love your commentary. Thank you very much. But, oh, thank uh, you. <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted, so um, uh, my first wife, and I were married 34 years. She passed away with cancer. I remarried a, a lady that I love dearly, but she does what you're referring to and talking about as far as her children. And uh, it's come between us to the point where uh, we nearly broke up over it several times. Uh, I, I don't call it enabling. I call it disabling because you break their will to be productive citizens and, and to get off their butt and work if you just give them everything free. Uh, so yeah it's a it's been a it's been a problem in our marriage quite frankly well you know that's one of those things that they say you got to talk about and you can't see everything coming obviously but um you know i i see it a lot with my friends who aren't on the same page when it comes to things like this and it's interesting that it's usually always the wife who wants to give 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 Although I do have one set of friends where it's the husband who he, you know, his kids are everything and they're adults and it doesn't matter what they do. And, you know, they're never wrong. You know, that that whole thing right. is going on there and gives them money, pays their rent, you know, and and it eventually with one of them ended up not in a good place. 
you know, it, and, and sure. now they have no relationship because it, there was so much advantage taken of the parents that they, they just don't have a relationship now at all. So I don't envy you this, but, you know, maybe well, talking I to somebody, a mediator, good. having somebody in the middle to help you walk down yeah. that road might I be mean, a good I'm thing. A, Lately, I got to run. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful new year. What he's going through sounds very familiar to a lot of people. I want to get Pete Louisville in here. Pete, I have a minute and a half. How are you? Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Just fine, Mary. How are you this morning? Always excited to hear you filling in for Brian. Thank you. Go ahead. To to weigh in on the issue, when our kids first moved out, we would help them financially to get them started. But then it became more and more often they were calling for bill money or food money. But when we found out they were using their own money to go do other things, we had to cut them off. And it's the best thing that ever happened to them. Now they're stable on their own. They're paying their own bills. And if something comes up where they don't have the money for food or dinner or whatever, they're more than welcome to come to the house. But the days of us giving them money, to survive on have been over for years and they're none worse the wear for it. Right. And to, and to the last caller's point, you know, if you keep handing them things, you're disincentivizing them from making it on their own, right? You're not teaching them those life skills that, you know, we love you. You know, you're more than welcome to come home. Please stop by and visit. You know, that's what my father said when he told us we all had to move out. He's like, you can come back and visit, but your mother and I would like to live alone now. You know, we want to enjoy each other's company and travel without you. So, and and we understood, I got it, but you're not, you are doing your children a disservice, I think, when you don't teach them life skills, like learning how to make it on your own without mom and dad helping you. So. You're going to make it on their own unless they make their own mistakes. Exactly. Pete, thank you so much. Have a wonderful new year and, and, and all the best in 2023. Yeah, it's really true. And I know people who think that, you know, my parents were terrible and horrible. Um, Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, Are there bones of contention to this day? Of course. that's, That's life. But did they give me the skills to be able to make it on my own and survive and thrive? A hundred percent. May not have liked them for it at the time, but it worked out. And they're retired and I'm not taking away from their life now and their retirement And I got to tell you, from high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. So great to be with you again. I love it. I love it. I love it. Lots to talk about. It's so weird. This this has just been like a really weird week. Usually the week between Christmas and New Year's, there's nothing going on. But not this year. I feel like the, the foot is on the accelerator and we're just hurtling towards the cliff. It's, it's just crazy. Let's talk about that, shall we? There's just so much going on and the best person to talk about everything going on, Carol Markowitz, New York Post columnist. Uh, you can find her at K-A-R-O-L. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's such a great time to talk to you again. I love it. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. Now, one of the reasons I enjoy speaking with you 
because this is true. You can talk about anything. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it truly is. And it's because you work in media, obviously. It's your job to consume media. And, and, and that, is, that is one of the things I love. The other thing I love about you is you move from New York City to Florida. And I just yep. love people who have the ability to be able to do that. Clearly, the Post is allowing you to work remotely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah, it was, I, you know, I was thinking, I was wondering if they would or if that would be okay. Um, but I've seen more people in the wild with a New York Post in Florida than I think I've seen in New York. In it's, the wild. It's like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I will tell you, I lived in Washington, D.C. for three years and then one year worked remotely. And one of the things I missed is you can't get the the New York Post. You can't oh, get yeah. it. They, they, you, mm-hmm. you have the Washington Post or the or USA Today. I'm like, oh, I'm not reading either one of those. So that was right. something that I... <laughs> I, I really, I really did miss that as well. So let me, let me ask you, how different is life in Florida versus life in New York for you? So it is different. Um, you know, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, so it was a big adjustment, uh, but it's been amazing. It's not quite a year yet. We're coming up on a year uh, on January 3rd, and it's been a really terrific year. I sleep better at night, not worrying about so many different things with my kids. Um, and it's just been really terrific. So, okay. All my friends, I'm not a big warm weather person and I don't like to go where everybody else is going. I'm not a follower. Cause then I'm going to feel like uh-huh. I'm crowded. I don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, but I was like, Oh, you should move to Florida for the weather. I'm like, well, you live in an air conditioned house. You get into an air conditioned car to go to an air conditioned <laughs> restaurant. You're never in the weather. Well, I don't know. I, I love warm weather. I'm a real beach person, so this was a great move for me. Uh, in Good. fact, we only considered places that were on the ocean. I, I need the ocean. Um, so I, I love it. And we just came back from a week in Tennessee and North Carolina, and it was terrific. We really had such a great time. Um, I, I had never been to Tennessee before. It was really amazing. I, actually, I've been to Nashville, but we went to uh, the Rocky Mountains. It was, I'm sorry, the uh, Smoky Mountains, and it was amazing. Um, and it was so cold, Mary. I don't know how people live like this. <laughs> we were we were layered in every cold weather item that we had brought with us, and we're just last night landing back in Florida. My seven year old ran outside into the seventy degrees. Like, oh, yes, we're back. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, that is one of the things you talk about traveling. That's one of the gifts of COVID, I think, is that people, I think we've seen migration and travel within the United States more than we have ever seen before. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. during like the great expansion West, you know, people did it. But I, I think mm-hmm. we're seeing people, you know, saying, hey, guess what? We're moving to Tennessee. You never would have heard that five years ago, right? Yeah. People are like, why are you moving right. to Tennessee, right? So so it I is. think that that is one of the yeah. gifts that we're, we're moving. We're becoming more mobile within the country. And it's fascinating to watch the choices people are making. People are choosing to move right. to red states. So Florida, I think, is a little bit of an anomaly where people Mm -hmm. are moving from blue states to red states, but they're not turning Florida blue. No. Yeah. How does that, how come? Why doesn't that, why doesn't that happen? I think we're seeing a real realignment caused by not COVID, but the reaction to COVID. I think it exposed 
so many things for so many people. You know, I always say that our family couldn't unsee what we saw during COVID. We saw our neighbors who marched for equity not care that schools didn't open in the poorest communities in New York City, but they got their kids a tutor or formed a pod or sent their kids to private school or moved to their beach house and sent to the kids to school there and didn't care at all that the other kids couldn't do that. Um, we saw so many things like that, and we, we just couldn't live with it anymore. So it was things like that that were exposed during COVID that forced people out the door. I think they looked around and said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. And I'll tell you, in Florida, one of the – I mean, first of all, there's so many new people. It's, I, I, you know, I – really feel blessed that the Floridians have taken us in in this way. I don't feel like there's been a negative reaction. Um, I, I think that they, they they make jokes like, you know, can the people from New York please stop honking, which, yes, there's no honking here. It's like people just don't honk at red lights, you know, the second the light turns green. Um, and it's been great. But I would say that the first question is, you know, when did you get here? Where are you from? And everybody knows that we're voting a certain way. Uh, and you could see that in the results of the Ron DeSantis's landslide right. victory. Um, it, it happened because all these people moved down, said, we're not moving to bring our ridiculous politics with us. We're moving to maintain what Florida has built. And we're really grateful for it. We're grateful that we got to go somewhere normal at a really insane time. And we're going to preserve that with you. So I everybody I've met in Florida who has moved here during the last, you know, almost three years during the time of COVID is a conservative, 100% of the people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's conservatives fleeing what they created as opposed to other states. I look at like Montana, I look at uh, North Carolina, uh, uh, Texas to a certain degree. It's people moving out of New York and California who aren't necessarily conservative, but they're just fleeing the high taxes and the crummy schools and, and the lockdowns and all that other stuff. Right. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing it in New Jersey. Uh, because New Jersey's beaches were open during COVID. New York's weren't. Yeah, they came yeah. down here. They're like, wow, this is great. And now they're moving here and they're paying a ridiculous amount of money for, for uh, property. Mm-hmm. And they're knocking down the cute house that was on it and building these, you know, Ikea box things. And <laughs> and they're wearing their masks and they're, they're bringing their New York with them and their voting habits. So what's happening in, in Florida, I kind of view as an anomaly versus what is happening in other states where it's... It's the liberals fleeing and they don't connect their politics to what they're leaving. So I wonder why that is. I I know that Florida has been particularly focused on sending the message of we have something good here. You better not mess it up. Um, We moved in January and a few months later, we got a flyer from the Florida Republican Party being like, welcome. Just don't forget why you're here and, you know, what you're what you've left. And I wonder if other Republican parties do that because it really was a cool ad. It was like, you know, we're glad you're here now. You know, preserve what we've what we've built together here, and I I think other states should send that message also. It's it's tough because you know how are you going to stop people from moving out? But it's the politicians who were elected to preserve a certain standard of life in these states uh, keep pushing the policies that they were pushing all along, like Ron DeSantis's. I, I think it'll attract the people who are want that sanity, who want that more conservative life and who want that those politics. Yeah. So um, if the states I, I I get it, especially in places like New Jersey, I know that they're getting this influx from New York. I see it. Um, and I, I just, you know, 
I, I hope it doesn't make the state bluer. I, I had some hope during the last gubernatorial election in New Jersey that maybe it was heading in the right direction. Maybe it was picking up conservative New Yorkers who wanted to do the right thing, but, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, no, I, I, I it's not changing. I, I thought the last election was a turning point as well. Since we're talking about Florida, we're talking about schools. How much of a game changer was 2022, 21, 22 and COVID and changing our schools? Mm-hmm. And because and, and, I think it was just an earthquake that that happened with COVID. That was one yeah. of the gifts to the pandemic. I agree. Um, in places that were ready to make changes um, or who 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 were ready to accept the information that they had learned during COVID and would run with it. So I, I still hear a lot from people in New York City, and they're not making the correct changes. They saw what happened. They see all the people leaving, but they're still under the thumb of these teachers' unions, and they are not um, going to adjust anything. They're going to continue with these leftist indoctrination camps that are the schools and not make any kind of um, moves that were exposed during COVID and not make any moves because of that. So um, I think that our, across the country, parents woke up and saw something and were ready to get involved and change their kids' school. Uh, but I do worry for these very blue areas that are going to continue to do what they've done and not make any changes. Yeah, absolutely. You've got Boston, for instance, uh, going to decide by tomorrow if the Boston school district is going right. to require masking for two mm-hmm. weeks because, you know, they were home with other people. Right. You know, it was a very people right. for them, you know, while, during, <laughs> during Christmas break. So, but, yes, but, you know, people. we've got flu, we've got COVID, you've got RSV. People are getting more of these things now because we sat at home for two right. years, masked up, you know, bathing ourselves in disinfectant. And that's <laughs> what happens because you don't get the little, you know, you don't get things little and you're out for a week and that's it. Exactly. Now I've got the, I've got the acquired immunity. This yeah, is expected. That's exactly it. And it's amazing because it's only targeting kids, right? You never get like, oh, the the older set who are actually at risk, you know, the 70 plus, we're going to ask you all to wear masks for the next few weeks because we know you've been around these dirty, you know, virus ridden children over Christmas. It's always targeted at this very low risk group who we know have been low risk. This is not like information we just discovered. We knew this in 2020. And the fact that we continue to only target the children children is it, it makes people believe that it's not about the virus that it's about something else it's about control it's about the power that these people have over these kids and being able to assert that power in this way makes it easier to assert the power in other ways i i don't know how these cities stand for it i don't know how they keep accepting that this lowest risk group is the one that gets masked and the one who loses school time or the one who still has events outdoors i hear from um parents at the Brooklyn public school that my sons had went to and and they say they're still having all their events outdoors and they're not in Florida it's not 70 degrees it's 40 degrees and they're still doing everything outdoors it's crazy that makes the kids tougher Uh, (laughs) (laughs) coming up I want to ask you uh, uh, some questions about the Republicans and their messaging you had mentioned you know you got this flyer in Florida Uh, the Mm -hmm. Republican Party is just ridiculous when it comes to messaging and they're just wildly inept going to talk about changes that they should make to bring in Gen Z, younger voters, uh, and also more independents into the party. So we'll do that coming up yeah. next with Carol Markowitz on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade.
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter, and for Brian Kilmeade, we're joined by Carol Markowitz, New York Post columnist. Follow her on Twitter at Carol with a K, K A R O L. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. Uh, thank you again for staying with me. I, I appreciate this. We're talking about what Republicans can do in 2023. You mentioned in Florida, the, the Republican Party down there, you know, sent you a nice letter. Welcome to Florida. Please remember why you moved here. But mm-hmm. there is a new poll out uh, by the Associated Press, and I don't know if you've seen it, but they're finding that independents are leaving the Democrats between they lost 10 percent of support among independents in from 20 to 22. So that's a lot. And in two years, they lost yeah. 10% of support, but Republicans only gained 1%. So right. where are they going? And why why aren't the Republicans picking these people up? What's happening? Oh, Mary, <laughs> the Republican Party, if I could just, you know, spend three days talking about all the problems that they have. I think that the main thing is, is that so much of Republican policy is reactive. And I think what we're seeing in Florida is a governor who is not reactive. He's proactive. He does things that he knows that people want. And he is not waiting for the Democrats to pitch him something so that he could respond. Um, So it's been really great watching that in action. But the other thing is, is that throughout this whole midterm election, I watched the Republicans not capitalize on any of the extremely popular issues that people actually like them for. So, for example, one of the things that I keep pointing out is that um, before the election, Chuck Schumer said that they want to legalize every single illegal immigrant who's in the country, not like just dreamers who were brought here as kids by their parents. No, you know, story like that. This was um, before the runoff in Georgia. I'm sorry, not before the election. And yet the Republicans did not use that in Georgia at all. They didn't say like that the Democrat in Georgia would be an additional vote for the Chuck Schumer plan of legalizing every single illegal immigrant that's in the country, which is essentially open borders. And everybody should accept that. Um, I think that there's so much the Republicans are not doing like that, where illegal immigration is just such a great example because everybody wants a secure border. Everybody, even, you know, people on the left want a secure border. Ask Bernie Sanders, you know, who, who said that if we open the borders, everybody in the, in the world is going to come here because there's so much poverty in the world. Bernie said that. And the Republicans don't capitalize on that at all. They don't say that we we want to secure the border. We want to make sure that nobody comes in here illegally. They don't do any of that. And there's so many other messages that they could be sending to people to say, we're the party of sanity. We're the party of normalcy. Instead, they keep running these biography candidates who nobody cares about a candidate's biography. It's just, it's a side note in what they're going to do. Like what they're going to do is first, who they are is a distant, distant second. So why why is that? Why are they so poor? And who gets the blame for this? There, there's a two-pronged thing that I've noticed. Republicans do not support their candidates. They just don't. Uh, you know, yeah. you look at Fetterman. De- right. Excuse me. Democrats acted like, you know, he's on Jeopardy next week. They never, ever right. criticized that man at all. Mitch McConnell's up there saying, well, you know, we don't have the best candidates in these states. And that's why yeah. he pulled money mm-hmm. from them. You know, you, you mentioned New Jersey. Jack Chitterelli, did a Republican, a high profile Republican come to New Jersey to campaign no. for him? No. Yeah. 
Right. So nobody thought he was going to win, and they didn't think it was going to be close, so they didn't even try, which is the worst way to run elections. They should try to be competitive in every single state. And I think, you know, for a New Jersey Republican to watch that race and see that the National Party did not step in at all and see how close it was, it's just such a heartbreaker. And it's like it, you get to the point where you're like, what is this for? What, what's the point? Why do I leave my house to go vote when nobody supports us at all? Um, and I see, I see this happening around the country. Um, I, I think it is Mitch McConnell, but it's also a lot of other people who I think have made it so these elections don't seem to matter to people. And that's just a terrible way to go about it. I think that, like, so going back to the Chuck Schumer example, it's like, you know, well, what, does, what difference does it make what Chuck Schumer said in Georgia? Well, this is a vote for Chuck Schumer's plans in the Senate, and you have to draw that line for people. You have to draw that picture for them and say, do you want this? Because this man will be supporting this, and Republicans just don't draw that connection for people. Yeah, so very quickly, I have a, I have a minute. Who needs to go? Oh, <laughs> everybody. I think everybody needs to go. Anybody who was responsible for the midterm not being a blowout. I think it went okay, the midterm, but I think that it, it could have gone far, far better. And I think anybody who was in the roles that, um, you know, were responsible for electoral wins and didn't get there needs to, needs to go. It's not that yeah. complicated. It's not, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean we hate them. It means that we could do better. Uh, absolutely. Carol Markowitz, thank you so much. Have a thank wonderful you, New Year in sunny Florida. And thank you for joining <laughs> me on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. If you'd like to join me, it's 866-408-7669. I would love to hear from you. So there is a, a kid who is at Albany High School in California. And they put his name in here, which I find interesting, Cedric Apple. I guess all bets are off when it's racism, when we're talking racism. Out them if the, even if they're 10. Uh, he was expelled along with three other kids because they posted racist messages, uh, including images of a slave being lynched, a photo of a black classmate. Um, Apple said he was on the edge of bringing my rope to school on Monday. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco ruled that the expulsion was justified. And they said that the First Amendment does not protect expression that will disrupt classroom activities or target other students. And I look at it more as, well, one of those was the threat. That's one. So I think, you know, maybe you need to be expelled because of the threat. And it, it, the rest of it to me is, is also bullying. So on those two things, without bringing racism into it, those two things, these people should be gone. I'm a big fan of zero when it comes to threats out you're done i am that's it we should have no tolerance for that in our schools and bullying as well bullying needs to be addressed and there need to be sit down and parents need to be involved and it has to be handled but this this guy uh and and he has since admitted that um well it was bullying uh and he said it was it was with the sole intention of entertaining his friends and he admits that the posts were juvenile and defensive yeah because you've been expelled so um, expelling these kids because they post something racist. So now the president has been set that they can be expelled for this. 
And then you have Whoopi Goldberg. ABC is coming under fire to under pressure to fire her under fire to fire uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Now she, she brought back comments. She, she doubled down on some comments that she made earlier. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. It's a flashback to January 31st. This is uh, cut 17, Justin, uh, January 31st, where uh, she made some comments on the view about the Holocaust. The Holocaust isn't about race. No, no, it's well, not about maybe race. Yes, no, it's Jews about a different race. It, but it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. I was saying you can't call this racism. This was evil. Mm-hmm. This wasn't this wasn't based on the skin. You couldn't tell who was Jewish. But it is indeed about race because Hitler and the Nazis considered Jews to be an inferior race. Now, you notice in there, Sonny Hostin said when Sonny Hostin agreed with with Whoopi and said, no, no, when she was saying it's not about race. No, no, it's not about race. So she doubled down. She she wound up with a what I think was a two week suspension because of the uproar over the first time she said it. But within in a recent interview with the Sunday Times of London, she defended the remarks that she made in January that you just heard. And she said she doesn't believe the Jewish race exists. She said you couldn't tell. Uh, a Jew on a street, you could find me, but you can't find them. Now, since the interview ran, there have been growing calls for her to apologize again, and the hashtag Fire Whoopi is appearing on social media. Now, the tweet has since been uh, deleted. She did issue an excuse me. She issued an apology. She apologized on there, and uh, she issued a tweet on Twitter at the time saying, I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused, but the tweet has since been deleted. And if you've ever seen the apologies they issue on The View, these legal statements they have to read, they mock them, they laugh at them, they don't take them seriously at all, and they've never been called to the carpet uh, because of that. Uh, And I'm I'm curious, should Whoopi be fired, number one? But here's another angle to this. This is another part of this, and, and it's 866-408-7669. Should these kids have been been suspended because of racism? Now, they should have been suspended for threatening or thrown out of school, expelled for threatening and bullying. I, I have no problem with that. Maybe suspended for bullying, but threats, you're out. Uh, but for racism, you know, you said something racist. And here's why I ask that. If you're on Twitter... I cannot tell you the number of times a person of color has called me a racist because they just disagree with what I said. And I'll come back at them and say, here's the deal. I want you to screenshot, copy and paste what I have said to you that is racist. Either that or apologize. And I get nothing. And they double down and they start swearing at me. But in my book, calling someone a racist is a horrible thing. It's defamation because we take racism very seriously now in this country. People's lives have been ruined by the mere allegation. And I just don't think you should have to wait until someone's life is ruined because you made the allegation in order for there to be some kind of repercussion. I just don't think we should be throwing around the racism allegation as freely as we do. I just don't. 866-408-7669. I, for one, you know, in the beginning when people are like, oh, you're racist. I'm like, yeah, I'm racist. I'm homophobic. I'm Islamophobic. I'm a misogynist, blah, 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 blah. Let's get it all out of the way. But the, 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 what is it? The, the total abandon. That's like, I'm trying to look for the word, the casuality of 
certain people, a lot of them in this country who, because you're white and you have an opinion with which they disagree, they just label you a racist and they all pile on to me is dangerous. And I don't think we should be tolerating that. We need, it, it takes away from the gravity that is true racism. When everyone is racist, no one is racist. But the problem is, is now we're using this, um, this idea that all white people are racist. They, they, they just are because I disagree with them or because they exist. They're racist for basis for things like reparations and for we're putting it into, re, you know, what they call reverse racism. But it's just tolerance of racism on the other side. I'm sorry you don't get you can't be involved in a program if for, you know, covid payments because you're white. This is only for minorities. You're starting to see a lot of that pop up now. And I think that comes from this idea that it's okay to call white people racists. It's okay to be a racist against white people. And I just don't think that that's the way we go because then, like I said, if everybody's racist, then nobody's racist. 866-408-7669. I don't know. I think maybe just somebody needs to sue one of these random Twitter people who come after them uh, for calling them racist and not backing down and doubling down on it with no proof whatsoever because they didn't say anything racist and just sue them into next week. I'll do it if anybody <laughs> has some kind of current Twitter spat with somebody about that. And I'm just ignoring them now. They don't, they, they, I didn't block them. I just I muted them. So they have no idea, uh, <laughs> which I do find to be very, very satisfying. All right, let's go to Coral Springs, Florida. Annette, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. 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 Thanks for taking the call. I, I don't think Whoopi Goldberg should be fired over this. She's not saying she supports what Hitler did. What she doesn't seem to understand is while it's true, Jewish people are not a separate racial group, but Hitler thought they were. He had this idea of the Aryan race being the superior race with the blonde hair, even though he didn't look anything like that. So Whoopi Goldberg is just not getting it. And I don't think, look, in my own opinion, she may be an EGOT winner, but I would not say she's the most intelligent person I've ever heard of or, or not. You know, I never met her or anything like that. She just doesn't get it, and she's probably incapable of learning what Hitler really was about. If she read anything about him, she would know that Hitler considered uh, Jews an inferior race, and, and, and he considered black people an inferior race. Right. Yeah. No, you know, you make a good point, and thank you for kicking it off. Have a great new year. Uh, appreciate you joining us. But here's the thing. I don't want to give Whoopi any grace. Whoopi would not give a white person grace for saying something inartfully or just not getting it, not understanding. They would have, she would be cheering with Sonny Hostin to have their lives ruined. So they've set the bar. And when it comes back and bites them in the butt, I don't think we should sit here and say, oh, well, you know, we should give them some grace. They give no grace to anyone else. There is no nuance whatsoever. Look what they did to poor Paula Dean. I still don't watch the Food Network because of that. Right? She was ruined. And they jumped on her and they tore the body apart. They didn't say, well, let's put it into context. There was none of that. So why should we put Whoopi's comments into context? And should be call should should calling someone a racist on a social media platform where everybody can read it should, should that should that be like something I, I don't know I don't know how you would handle that but it seems to me to be a very def, 
a defamatory statement that you can't back up. And, you know, yeah, I want Twitter to be free speech. I want social media to be free speech. But I also don't think, you know, you can be throwing the N-word around. If regardless of your skin color, if something is is offensive, it's offensive, right? If something's wrong, it's wrong, regardless of the color of your skin. But I think I think the pendulum's got to swing both ways. All right, I'll get your calls coming up. 866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. Talk about racism in this country and how, you know, Whoopi Goldberg doubles down on something that got her suspended for two weeks and doesn't learn the lesson. Uh, the, t- throwing the t- term racism around at white people who, with whom you disagree seems to be totally acceptable and accelerating. And it, and I think it's it's defamatory because it's a very serious accusation. It's not something you should, sh- that should be taken lightly. And also, you know, it, it kind of dilutes. It does. It doesn't even kind of. It dilutes the severity of actual racism when everybody's a racist just because you guys disagree. You know, there's a disagreement. And what if he happens to be white? Well, you're automatically racist. 866-408-7669 in Los Angeles, Kenyatta. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Uh, listen, I uh, wanted to, to uh, tell you that uh, you're a great stand-in, if uh, for lack of a better term, for Brian. And I agree with you. I'm a six foot three inch, hundred and eighty pound black man. I agree with you that the term racist is thrown around way too much. However, I think that as Socrates said that the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. You know, people can be bigots, they can be prejudiced, but that doesn't necessarily make them racist because racism implies power and race is a European construct. For instance, I'm prejudiced against stupid people. Oh, oh my gosh, so people. am I. Oh, <laughs> yes. I honestly seriously, I want to I wish there was a way we could mark them so that I don't have to deal with them. <laughs> I mean, I have I don't care what flavor they are. But there is <laughs> there yes. is some truth. But no, really, there's some truth though. Yeah. And uh what Whoopi Goldberg said in terms of when I walk into a courtroom, which I've walked into many of them in my life. Um, everyone can see there's that six foot three inch black man. Um, certain conclusions are drawn, certain stereotypes, uh, whether conscious or unconscious or, 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 or applied. When I look, if that person is Jewish, I don't necessarily know that any more than I would know if they were gay. Um, so what I'm trying to, you know, take uh, Kanye West. Uh, recent comments. Kanye West became famous and made a fortune by throwing around the N word mm-hmm. and the B word, uh, and 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 people paid him lots of money to do that yeah. and applauded him for for doing that, made him a celebrity for doing that. But when he said something anti-Semitic, it became an issue. And all I'm saying here is that. Folks need to really think about 
how these terms are being thrown around. And so what I'm, it's a circuitous way of saying I agree with you, but we need to really think about the words that we use and how we use percent. And by the way, if I saw you walk into a courtroom or somewhere, I would be like, oh, I'm going to go stand by him because if things go south, I'm going with the big guy. <laughs> so I would draw some conclusions in that way because I'm no dummy. Uh, but thank you very much. I, I appreciate you joining me and having a reasoned, sensible conversation and have a blessed 2023. Lots of luck in the new year. Thank you. So the term bigotry, he's 100% right. You have to define things. Most people don't know what the term bigot means. It's a state, an attitude, a state of mind or behavior characteristic of a bigot, which is intolerance. Bigotry is intolerance. So when you are intolerant of a different opinion, you are a bigot. But they, they don't know. Narrow-mindedness, synonyms, narrow-minded uh, minded, <laughs> mindedness, mindedness, prejudice, intolerance. It doesn't mean racist. It means intolerance. So if you are intolerant of my opinion, let's say immigration, if you're for closed borders, which is what I got into it on Twitter on, which was the latest go round of a bunch of people of color calling me a bigot, uh, calling me a racist, is if you're if you're for closed borders, you're against black and brown people having free free reign to just walk. We should have it should be one world, and you're only against people you know black and brown people coming in. You're a racist. And that's not what I said. I said I'm against just people being able to walk into a country. And you disagree with me. You're a bigot. But they throw the term racist at everything to get you to back down. And it's a very harmful term because people lose their jobs, lose their livelihoods. Their whole lives are destroyed if that takes hold. And, and, and afterwards, we're like, oh, yeah, sorry, our bad. And, and you're done. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Liza, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of, of Whoopi saying the, uh, um, what happened to in the Holocaust, that was very horrible, what happened there. And it, and it was racist. Um, I think, I don't know when uh, the brown color came out, <laughs> but I know I heard it, I heard it from her. She actually uh, said the black people and brown people and i am i'm i'm hispanic i am very light i'm often confused as a caucasian person and people um treat me very differently and and some black folks they they do and i don't think that i think that she's trying to establish a color core color code as a white, brown, and black. And that's divisive. That brings the whole nation to be divisive. Yeah. And I don't believe that. I, I believe that everybody has a different culture. Everybody everybody knows that, that America is built in different cultures. And we, we make America. That's what we do. And But she wants to actually put it in a way that um, it's racist. And I don't care if anybody calls me racist. I am not. You can call me anything you want, but I'm not. And as long as I know that I'm not, I'm fine with it. But she needs to be fired. She needs to actually, uh, she should resign to, to make it look better. 
There you go. Yeah, say face and resign. Here's the thing is is that, yeah, it doesn't bother me when people call me race. I used to ignore it, but I'm getting tired of it. And if enough people do it and they all pile on and they're all calling you that, I, I think you got to be careful because it really can ruin somebody's life. Liza, have a wonderful, wonderful 2023. And thank you for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I am Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. And welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you are just joining us, yes, I am Mary Walter sitting in for one Brian Kilmeade. Tonight, 7:15 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch my podcast, Mary Walter Radio, on YouTube and get her live. And uh, it's pol- political podcast, as one would suspect. But on Tuesdays, I have a non-political podcast. We talk about a lot of fun stuff, TV, like all different things. Uh, that is also 7.15 p.m. Eastern time, also live on Getter and YouTube. Of course, if you miss either one of those, you can get the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify about 24 hours after the uh, the podcast airs. Just search for Mary Walter on both of those outlets. And if you're looking for me on YouTube, look for Mary Walter Radio. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio as well. Love to have you. Love to see you. Let's welcome Bobby Brock here. He is a writer for OutKick. And Bobby, welcome to the show. Very interested in speaking with you today. I like some of your columns. Very interesting. We agree on a lot of stuff, which is scary. Hi. <laughs> Mary, I appreciate that. You know, when you're right online, you don't get a lot of people saying they agree with you. Usually they get mad at you and call you names and all that stuff. So to hear you like it, that's a pretty positive way to start this Thursday morning. Or maybe I'm subtly lying to you and I just don't really oh, yeah. like you, but it's a way to disarm you, you know, yeah, with my feminine wiles. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you head into a boxing match, your opponent talks nice to you at first, and then you come out with a blow, then all of a sudden it's just too late. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen before. <laughs> so one of the things, this is so timely. You have a piece up on Outkick about retailers being fed up with return Christmas gifts because it's getting harder and costlier for them to do this because they lose money on everything you you return. And you did happen to mention blame the women who order medium and small in case of a last-minute diet and ga- gowns for our shortened return windows, right? Well, I am that woman who will you know order a size 4 and a size 6 just in case. Yeah, so, so am I what, part of the problem? You are, unfortunately. So what's going on here, Mary, is that with the advent of online shopping and Amazon, people aren't trying on clothes from the store. So if they're deciding between a small and a medium, a medium and large, maybe red or black, they'll order both, then send one back. However, Amazon and these retailers, they're losing money on these returns because a lot of times they offer them for a discount, and they have to resell them. And after the holiday season, the shopping and online purchases decrease, so they're not making their money back. So we learned this year through a variety of studies that retailers are actually changing their return policies a lot of times quietly. What they're doing is they're shortening the window of when you can return, and a lot of them are charging restocking fees. So you might not even know it, but you're getting less than 
100% of your return. Now, get this. Estimates say $171 billion of merchandise is expected to be returned this holiday season, in part because of those people who are ordering multiple sizes of blouses, gowns, and sweaters. Well, fine. If they would standardize their sizes, this this could all be avoided. If the industry, the clothing industry for women, would standardize their sizes like they do for men. Men, you buy a pair of pants at your waist size and your inseam. That's it, right? Women, a size four in one is a size two in another is a size eight in another. So you know what? I blame them. Yeah, and look, I hated to single out women. It wasn't my intention, but I got thinking. I had to be honest, I didn't think men were as big of a problem. So if I offend anybody, they got to forgive me for just telling the truth. And it sounds like you support my truth. I do support your truth because I, <laughs> I do have to do it just because of the way that they size clothes. And I'm that person who usually goes to the store to try stuff on anyway because I can't be bothered. But you can't always always do that. I have to say, one of the things that I saw, I will never forget, I was standing in line at one of the big box retailers to return um, you know, an article of clothes. I forget what it was. It didn't fit. and Because you can't try them on because they f- apparently right. frown on you stripping down in the aisle at Costco and BJ's to try clothing on. Who knew? They do. They do. Yeah. They, they apparently get very testy. So I was returning something, and there were two men in front, like two people in front of me, because that line is interminably long. Like, it's just a ridiculously long line. These two guys are returning, I kid you not, an ironing board. This ironing board looked like they picked it up. They saw it. Someone was throwing it out. It was on the side of the road, and it was bent rusted. It was just a disaster. They're returning this thing. And this poor woman behind the checkout is like, do you have a receipt? I'm like, and I looked, I wanted to look at her and say, really, do you really think there's a receipt for this? This thing's, this thing's several years old. It's rusted for God's sakes. They took it back. I, why do retailers, this is part of the problem is the retailers. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and some of it too is just reckless on their part of, like you said, the retailers and their policies. On average, they often lose $15 per return and often have to resell that return product for 30% lower. So accepting some of these returns as they've done so much over the past 5, 10, 15 years has really created a problem. And it really expands beyond just Christmas. I believe last year there was almost $800 billion of returns. Now, they got some of that money back because they resold some of it, but not at the same price. So it's become a losing proposition for retailers across the country, particularly ones that sell clothing and um, non-electronic products. Those are much harder to make your money back. And uh, it's unfortunate for people like me who are poor Christmas shoppers because I always assume that my family members are just returning everything I buy. So I've been trying to buy electronics for them over the past two years so they're less likely to return it. Just get the gift that keeps on giving. Get them a gift card. Um, okay, so let's talk about Twitter and, yeah. and censoring. So Elon Musk has now declared that Twitter will follow the science and promote questioning, which is is hard because the sainted Dr. Fauci is science. So um, I, I don't know how he's going to feel about being questioned. There are some on Twitter, a lot of people hailed this, thought it was a great thing. But it's interesting that people like a lot of um, – 
of journal, quote unquote, journalists are questioning in this, you know, um, New York Times contributor Wajahat Ali said something a really dumb person would tweet. Another alleged journalist by reasoned questioning Elon Musk means um, clown car conspiracy theorist drivel and on and on. This is a good thing, right, that we're going to be allowed to question science? Of course. I argued pretty early on during COVID that I thought the biggest issue that we had as a society was the lack of being able to question what our experts and leaders, and I say both of those terms in air quotes, had to say. I always say the biggest threat to established figures and leadership is not opinions. You can easily dismiss one's opinion, label them conspiracy theorists, but what's threatening to them is asking them questions that they therefore do not want to answer or cannot answer. And this is where the media failed so overtly during the early stages of COVID. Dr. Fauci appeared on network TV every single day, whether it be CNN, MSNBC, and the weekend, yeah. CBS, ABC. And these anchors, Chuck Todd, George Stephanopoulos, they refused to ask him the tough questions. They just put him on there to whack eloquently about the ideas he wanted to promote. They never questioned him on the science, the effectiveness of mRNA vaccines once we learned that they didn't stop the spread, like he said. And very few of them ever questioned him about the origin of COVID. Did it come from that lab? They just said, oh, yeah, well, it, it came from the bat because Dr. Fauci said that. So being able to ask questions is the best way to effectively reach the truth. And what's been going on, I'm actually writing a column this right now, Mary, I believe that leadership, the press, the government, and Big Tep have worked together to intercept the flow of factual information. And the biggest reason they've been able to do that is because they limited the people that are willing to ask honest questions. Yeah, uh, it, it, we're coming up. We're going to talk more about that because I want to talk to you about other social media, not social, but but platforms that are censoring or or kicking users off because of, you know, social media posts or because they're with an organization they don't like groups like PayPal and other groups that are doing that as well. There are other other sen- there's other censorship happening. And I don't know if Elon Musk can buy all of them, but I really wish he would like I'll contribute to a fund for Elon Bus- Musk to buy all of them. So I, I'd like to delve into that coming up. So we'll do that with Bobby Barack from Outkick coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Calisthenics for your brain. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Um, we're speaking with Bobby Barack. He writes for Outkick.com. You can follow him on Twitter at B-U-R-A-C-K, Barack Bobby, with an underscore after it. Clearly somebody else got your name before you, Bobby, because I can't believe that there's more than one Bobby Barack running around. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been trying to forget about that hashtag or that underscore there, but uh, you brought it up. So it kind of reminds me that somebody a long, long time ago pretended to be at Bobby Burak. I've been stuck with the lame underscore ever since. So speaking of Elon Musk, I think that should be a top his priority list. 
getting rid of the fake people that are pretending to be Bobby Barrett. <laughs> That's okay. There was a Filipino actress named Mary Walter, and somehow and she's she's been dead for for a long time. And and um, somebody beat me to her uh, to to the handle Mary Walter on Truth Social, and it was her. I'm like, really? Yeah. Is the fan base that big? Okay. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, PayPal, they still have bans, uh, and they're being called out for censorship because if they don't agree with uh, who you are as a business, they will just deplatform you. And now you can't make money, and you can't, you, you've got to, at the last minute, scramble. Imagine if you have a business and your bank just says, yeah, we're not dealing with you anymore. And take your money and get out of here because we don't like your business. Imagine what that would do for your business. We're butting up against this idea of, well, I'm a private business. I can do whatever I want and um, I don't like you. So I'm just not going to do business with you. We're, we're butting up against that. And I just don't think it's a good thing that that's happening. On the other hand, I'm also a big fan of nobody should force you to, to deal with people you don't want to deal with, right? Right. That argument about we're a private company or we're a private industry, we can do whatever we want, that was the argument that defenders of censorship on Twitter and Twitter itself argued for so long. But, Mary, we now know that's not true through various installments of Twitter files. There's definitive evidence that Twitter, previous Twitter ownership, acted on behalf of the DNC, the FBI, and the Biden administration. As the Wall Street Journal first reported, when that happens, that's no longer a company acting as a private industry, but a state actor whom citizens and targets can sue for restricting their First Amendment rights, which is exactly what Twitter provided the government. The government can't behalf of the Constitution, censor critics of their rule, but Twitter allow them to do that by censoring people right. at the behest of the officials. So I don't I have no doubt that places like PayPal are doing the same thing. Matt Tabibi is a fantastic independent journalist. He reported earlier this week that the government is in constant contact with all of these platforms, whether it be financial um, video service, just social media, email. So when that happens right now, to me, it totally proves that we're a private company excuse, completely mute. And I just find it so unfortunate because as time goes on, we are so reliant on these platforms, whether it be YouTube, Gmail, PayPal, um, the Cash App, and for them to act this way and have such control and govern with such a political bias we really enter a dangerous space where our speech is really as limited as it's ever been because never before have these companies had such a stranglehold on what we cannot say by virtue of censorship. Now, so, and I, th I think it takes a, a big investigation by Congress in order to do this because you're right, it's yeah. the government. If, if PayPal is doing this because the government is saying, hey, you know, could you do this for us? This person, uh, that we think this is, you know, disinformation or whatever the angle is that they use to shut them down. We need to have a huge government uh, investigation. I only have four minutes. So I would like to jump real quickly to uh, Whoopi Goldberg and the issue of racism. We we're just having a conversation about that where, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of being called racist just because a person of color disagrees with me. Right. You, you know, I'm getting tired of it. It's defamatory. It can ruin someone's career. It can ruin someone's life. Yet that seems to be a okay. That seems to be fine to do that. You know, Whoopi Goldberg clearly has zero 
problem or even thought twice about doubling down on her claim uh, that, that got her kicked off of The View for two weeks, which to Whoopi Goldberg, it's no big deal. She's a multimillionaire. Kick me off for two weeks. You know, I'm going to go to an island somewhere. Uh, this, this, uh, there just seems to be a double standard when it comes to this. And should Whoopi Goldberg be fired? Um, yeah, I mean, this is really a, fa- a fascinating issue. Um, I don't think she should be fired because ABC News pays her for her opinions, often her misguided and really uneducated opinions. I don't think she should be fired. But the bigger problem I have is just the type of hypocrite she is talking about how the reaction to her Holocaust comments that it wasn't alluded in race or race was not the reason for the Holocaust. That her, her calling that overblown shows such uh, disconnect between the public. And what's really going on here, Mary, is Whoopi Goldberg, you saw it last week when she doubled down on these comments. She cannot believe ABC and the media would punish her and persecute her for her comments as an elitist, far-left woman of color. She believes that she's untouchable and that she's off-limits for criticism, Mm -hmm. thus her doubling down, because in her mind, she should never receive this type of treatment. So I think what's going on right now is she's showing her elitism and her hypocrisy by making the same comment and acting like people are the enemies by coming after her. Because if this was anybody else making these comments, she'd be at the forefront of calling for their job, their career, and really their public status. Yeah, I'm a, I've become a big fan, and, and the left has done this to me, and the, the right to some extent because they're so inept and so useless. Right. But I've become a big fan of, okay, these are the rules you want to play by. I think the rules are wrong, but okay, let's play by these rules. And then dealing with them exactly the way they deal with us. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting way to look at it, and that goes back to the censorship, right? When right. when Aaron Rupar and Keith Olbermann got kicked off for a day, there's the argument of, well, I'm against censorship, but by their rules, they should have been kicked off, so maybe you have no sympathy for them, which is exactly the case of Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, she had no sympathy for Sharon Osbourne, who was dubiously fired for non-offensive remarks, yet she's saying her offensive remarks should not be in the public discussion. Um, and I think it just raises a bigger point of not only a double standard, but how certain people put themselves in a class where they're untouchable and they hold themselves up as heroes where they get to decide who is untouchable and who should be punished, which is precisely the case of Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, and, and the left, because they love these people, they're their heroes, the left has gone in, and I, I we only have like a minute, not even a minute, but I, I just love the fact that, you know, the Bernie Sanders wing, the real, the real radicals, the hippies back in the day of the 1960s who were saying, don't trust the government, don't trust anybody over 30, are now telling me that I have to trust the government. It's amazing how it is all turned. Uh, Bobby Barack, Outkick, you can find him on Outkick.com. Follow him on Twitter, Barack Bobby underscore. Uh, a great, some great, great columns. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a fantastic new year. Mary, you too. Talk soon. Thank you. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Okay. Santa did his thing. Santa came and went. Got the new year right around the corner. 
So I want to know, what would you like to see the Republicans do in 2023? They, they take control of the House. They already blew the budget, right? Like they've already, they already decided we're just going to do whatever Democrats want to do in the budget. They could have passed a continuing resolution. They could have maintained power. They, they, they handed it over like their lunch money every single day in Congress because Republicans are useless. But if Santa actually brought spines to people in Congress, wouldn't that be wonderful? What would you like to see them do in the new year? Like, what's your number one issue? Things like um, investigations, investigations of Hunter, Jim Biden, Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden. You know, let's dig into their financials. You know what I would love? I would love to see them. Let, let's let's get their tax returns. They did it to Trump. They're releasing Trump's tax returns tomorrow. And I will tell you, I, I, mark my words, there's nothing in there. Because if there had been anything amiss in Trump's tax returns, it would have been leaked long before this, and it never was. And they're releasing Nothing has been leaked. They got their hands on them, right? And nothing was leaked out. That's how you know there is nothing in Trump's tax returns. Because if there was anything damaging, they would have been leaked. But what they're going to do is they're going to release his tax returns, and they're going to see, like, he didn't pay income tax. And the left, the uneducated people are going to go, he didn't pay any taxes. And you're like, no, you big dummy. No income tax because he didn't make any money. Remember, he donated all his pay back to the American people. Do you remember that? And if he didn't take dividends, he didn't make any money. See how that works? Well, he didn't pay any taxes. That, that, that's exactly what they're hoping for. You know, the, the perpetually uneducated class with opinions uh, will, will spew them. So I, I would love to see something like that. I want to I want to see some retaliation. I do. I know it is not healthy, and I know that what goes around comes around. But I would love to see karma dump a big truckload, like a big dump truck full of karma, back into the Capitol and dump it right in the middle of it. I want to see impeachment. I want to see Joe impeached. I want to see Mayorkas impeached. Both of them need to be impeached for what is happening on this on the border on the southern border they are refusing to enact the laws that are currently in place and that we are under invasion and the left goes but there's it's not an invasion no one's bombing you oh so that's the definition of invasion so if you know russia just china just dropped off a couple of boatloads of people you know a couple you know thousands and thousands of people they all just happen to be chinese soldiers maybe they're not carrying guns they're bringing guns in on the southern border but let's say that our our soldiers aren't bringing guns uh and and they come into the country and they just dump them all off that's not an invasion so they, they dance around it but what is happening on our southern border in my brain is impeachable you're not enforcing the law that you swore you would enforce uphold right you did, you're not doing that the fentanyl coming in is killing our children the economy, you made your bed, you got to lie in it. What are you going to do to fix the problem that you just foisted upon us with this dumb omnibus bill? What are you doing with the economy? And of course, immigration. I, I, I would fix it. The, the administration is saying, what's the Republicans plan? What's the Republicans plan? Because they refuse to enforce the, the laws that are already on the books. So all I keep hearing is what's the Republicans plan? from Corinne Jean-Pierre is probably on every page in her binder, a big binder she carries around with her. Like my grandmother used to carry her pocketbook because we swore she had the family silver in it. It's Corinne Jean-Pierre with that binder. And, and all it says in it, what's the Republicans plan? 866-408-7669. Okay, so 
if you actually got to, to, to talk to a member of Congress and say, okay, what, what is, what are you doing? What do you want to ask them about? You get one question. What, what would you ask them? What, what is that issue that you want addressed? Just give me one issue that you want addressed and why you want that issue addressed. 866-408-7669. And as you can tell from me, there's a lot of frustration. I'm very frustrated with the Republican Party, which is why I refuse to register as a Republican. I never have. And in my state, the wonderful state of New Jersey, you cannot register as an independent. You can only be quote unquote unaffiliated. So I don't exist. Uh, and I can't vote in primaries in my state. Yeah, I could jump through the hoops and register as a Democrat to like kind of screw over their their, their uh, primary. Or I can register as a Republican and vote for the person I like. But um, I, I just refuse to do it. I'm not registering for the party. I vote for the person, not the party, because the Republican Party has let me down so many times. I cannot play for their team. I just can't. I'm not buying the jersey. 866-408-7669. Let's kick it off with Steve in Las Vegas. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? I enjoy your show. I just wanted to say that uh, I think Congress should look into the Hunter Biden issue and especially the 150 uh, suspicious activity reports that were filled out. That would be one thing I would like to see them do. And the other thing is uh, try to do something to counteract this nonsense of global warming and these green, you know, green energy. It's nothing but a fraud. It always has been. There is no viable substitute for oil, and they know it. And you have to burn oil to generate electricity to fill these uh, to you know, for the cars, the grids are all maxed out all over the country. And, uh, you know, that's not going to be the solution. So that's something I'd love to see them work on, Mary. I'm so glad you brought up. I didn't think about the green energy thing. We were driving to my brother's on Christmas Eve just to, you know, have lunch with them and drop off presents, you know, for my nieces and stuff like that. And there's a guy in a Tesla and he was following us. And, and when you get off the parkway right there, there's a Tesla charging station. And they've got like four, it's like six station, you know, six spots right there. Cause it's not a, it's not a big town and, and, and they're there. And this guy goes to pull in. There's no place. There was a line coming out of that little parking lot, the, the charging area. To charge your Tesla. Because... Mary, could I regress back just for a second to another subject? I was on hold for a long time. I really enjoy your show. Could I regress back to a yeah, go, Very quickly. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. What you said about the people, not the workforce. Look at all the 18, 19, 20-year-old girls that are on YouTube and TikTok, dancing around, singing, doing all this nonsense. That's why three-quarters of the workforce of the young people is... Um, is tied up right now, and they, they're so used to making 500 1000 2000 a week for doing nonsense, they're not going to go work at Carl's Jr., Walmart, or Target, and that's a big problem. And also the people selling things on eBay and uh, YouTube, and that's another thing, excuse me, on uh, uh, Amazon. So that's part of the reason the workforce is so disproportionately diminished lately, I think. That's, that's interesting. I'm glad you, I, I am glad you brought that up, Steve. Have a wonderful new year. Many blessings to you. Uh, thank you for joining me. He makes a good point to go back to that. Um, you, yes, you have these kids who are making a lot of money doing these videos you know, because they're going to be influencers. You know, Okay, good for you. If they're legitimate making money, if their parents have them granted or teaching them to sock it away for when they're no longer young and cute and, you know, relative, I think that's, a, I don't have a problem with that. If you're working, you understand what it takes to, fine, no problem. Make a budget. Good. Good for you. You're working. Great. It's great. Um, I can accept that ways of making money have changed and more opportunities have opened. But I think with the feds going after anything, anything over $600, is going to be a, 
a game changer as well. And you're going to see people pull back from eBay. I know plenty of people who, who used to sell stuff on eBay and aren't doing it anymore. People are going to pull back from eBay. People are going to pull back from selling things on Amazon because, you know, you were making a couple thousand dollars, whatever it happened to be. It was like some extra money. And now the government's going to start taxing anything over $600. They're not, it's not going to be the same. Same thing with Etsy. People who are like a small little retailer, if they're not making a ton of money, they're going to pull back. They're going to pull off that. The government's going to kill that entrepreneurship with this $600 thing. You know, more people to police my how much money I'm making on Etsy, but nobody to police what's happening at the border because priorities. Uh, Tony in Florida. Tony, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? Doing good. Go ahead. What do you want to see them investigate well, or, or do? Well, well, basically, I heard a Marine on one of the talk shows the other day while I was driving, and he said... You know, where are we going with all this? Nothing ever happens. Look at all the things we caught the Democrats doing. Look at what Hillary Clinton did. Nobody went after her for the server. All the things Hunter Biden, nobody went after him. Nothing ever happened. I know that the the Congress is supposed to go after Biden when, when the new guy takes over, if McCarthy takes over. But the real sad thing is, that no matter what happens, no matter what they do, that we all know on, on the right side, we all know that what they did was wrong. The real problem still lies, and it hasn't seemed to change, is the left media doesn't let anybody with the other side view ever hear any of the facts that we all hear on the left. So all the good things that you talk about on your talk show and the other talk show hosts on the conservative side speak about are all wonderful and true. But the mere fact that it really never gets to the ears of the ones who need to know that. You're preaching to the choir on our side most of the time. And nobody gets the message on the other side. I'm almost getting to the point now, Mary, where I believe... And I said this about two years ago, before the election fraud in 20, and before Carrie Lake and Blake got screwed up in Nevada, that we have no way of turning things around if they can keep cheating. And they keep cheating, and judges keep ruling against there's no standing, there's no proof, it didn't change, it wouldn't change the effect of the election, et cetera, et cetera. I'm I'm almost getting to believe, Mary, that we're moving towards secession. We're moving toward red states forming their own government and blue states kind of having to hang it on their own. And let me tell you, if blue states have to survive on their own, the way they give away money and the way they, they don't generate any revenue, they won't be around long anyway. I just don't know how that's done logistically and how you take the good military people with you. I just don't know if that's a re- uh, something that could be a reality. Yeah, I, I, I hear it. I, I hear your frustration. I, I get it, Tony, because as you as I've said, you've heard me. I'm very, very frustrated. A hundred percent. Nothing ever happens. You know, there, we have a two tiered system of justice in this country and that cannot stand. Because if you are if you're on the conservative side and you do something even remotely wrong or, or something that you know they would get away with, you can burn down the city of Portland. You can barricade police officers in their police headquarters in in Oregon, 
and and try to burn it down and they drop all the charges against you. If you're a grandma who walked through open doors in the Capitol on January 6th, by the way, who opened the Columbus doors from inside? There were officers holding the doors open. We've seen the video letting them in. We've seen the video. So these people walked in, took some pictures in Statuary Hall and walked out who didn't commit any violent offenses have had years and years of, of, of losing their jobs and having their lives ruined pre-dawn raids. They've had charges thrown against them and they just capitulate to them because it's lawfare and their lives are being ruined. And that's applauded by parts of this country. That's okay. So the weaponization of the, the legal system as well plays into this. And I agree with you until there is a change and until there's some kind of, of evening out of the playing field uh, here. I don't have high hopes of anything happening. I, I agree with you. Thank you so much. 866. Oh, and happy new year. 866-408-7669 is my number. By the way, I'll be back with you tomorrow here on the Brian Kilmeade show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. So Santa has gone and hopefully he left you everything you wished for. But I'm curious what you wish for from the Congress in the new year, especially the House. Investigations. Is that on your wish list? Who would you like investigated? How about impeachment? Mm, that's a good one. Um, can they possibly do something with the economy? They've screwed themselves over being saddled with this omnibus bill. Can they do anything? Uh, what about immigration or whatever it happens to be? 866-408-7669. Let's head to South Carolina and Columbia. William, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. How you doing, ma'am? I'm doing just great. So what do you want to see them do? Well... They do, there, there needs to be an investigation into this whole Hunter Biden thing, because that was swept under the rug. I don't, I don't really care that it, that it, uh, that it got passed and the president, because that's in the past. But it does need to be done and it needs to be handled correctly. And it doesn't need to be the, it doesn't need to be the farcical show of this uh, January 6th garbage. Because I'm sorry, like you said a minute ago, people were let in there just like it was no tomorrow and then wound up being charged when they when they had no part doing anything wrong. They were just thinking they were being allowed to do something. And the people who are the people who are perpetrating things they were they should have they got but impeachments that's not on it's not on my market because I'm sorry, it's silliness. They're never gonna get it past the house. All it does is put an asterisk next to your next to your president and it wastes our money, which we have some we have surprising a lot less with that whole bill that you just talked about that just went through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, w- I hope and I'm really I've been very disappointed in, in the Republicans. Again, I sound like a broken record because when it comes to the January 6th people, as you said, you know, like they didn't do anything violent. They were let in the building and a lot of them. Now, were there some violent actors? A hundred percent. And the people who are violent do need to be punished a hundred percent. But I have a problem with some who are on the most wanted list and were let go. Were let off the most wanted list. Why? Uh, one in particular who was telling people to go into the Capitol. Why? But the other ones like the grandmas and things like that who had, who had to do prison time because they were in statuary hall because they walked through open doors. You know, the Republicans have been very silent except for Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louie Gohmert, Matt Gates, maybe one or two others those people have just been left 
And that is not fair and it's not right. And I, re- I really feel sorry for them. And I really hope the Republicans get the guts to do that. William, have a wonderful new year. Great speaking with you. I will be back with you tomorrow. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Don't forget. I have my podcast tonight, 7 15 PM live on YouTube and get her. We talk politics, try to talk about some, some stories maybe you haven't heard and you can get the audio on Apple podcasts and Spotify. So YouTube and get her tonight live and then the audio uh, later, or you could always go to YouTube and just watch whenever. So I wanted to share this story with you, just something a little funny. And I'm just going to say he's alive. Okay, he survived. So we can laugh about this. All right, because that's important. So in New Jersey, there's a bridge in the in Islam, and I know exactly where this is. And it's a very it's only eight foot six inches high. So it constantly floods. You try to over like you can get a little car, even like an SUV. You're like, oh, God, am I going to make it under this bridge? So this guy, 82 years old, was being taken to the hospital to uh, in in by the rescue squad, by uh, uh, the South Plainfield Rescue Squad Ambulance. So it's from a town. You know where I'm going, don't you? So they hit the Parsonage Road underpass. It goes under an Amtrak bridge. The rear compartment of the ambulance, they hit the bridge. Everybody hits the bridge. Everybody hits this bridge. He hit, The ambulance hits it. And the back part of the ambulance where the, you know, the compartment is where every, you know, where, where the patient is, gets tilted backwards from the impact because it hit it at the top. So the top comes up, the bottom, the top goes back, the bottom comes up. The rear doors open and one Giovanni, 82 years old, slips out of the back of the vehicle strapped to the gurney. It was like a Benny Hill episode. It was Mr. Bean. He survived, thank God. But of course now he's suing. But he's suing for $20 million. Look, you're not going to spend $20 million in your lifetime, so I have a little problem with that. But um, I just wanted to share that with you because it's funny and it's great. He survived. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.